There it is. That's the battle, the round number 13, fight two. Here we go, folks. You know what's coming. Punches and bunches, hot sauce to the ribs, shoe shines in the corner, ranchos al hígado. When in doubt, stick it out. Duro, duro, duro. Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz here with Rick Prado. Rick, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Just fired up for this week. Uh, Looking forward to another great show. Absolutely. Now, I said that this is round 13, fight number two. Round 13, of course, not a round that you see anymore today, Rick, since fights no longer go past round 12, right? The championship rounds 10, 11, and 12. But when they did, there was some great fights that ended in round 13. So let me... Let me uh, just uh, float a few by you, Rick. Okay. Here's two fights that ended in round 13. The great Alexis Arguello uh-huh. against Alfredo Escalera. TKO. Both fights ended in round 13 in 78 and 79. And here's another one. Roberto Duran, round 13, when he won the uh, lightweight championship against Ken Buchanan. Yeah, wow. Um, a couple great uh, Latin American legends right there. That's exactly right. And... Another legend that we're going to be talking to today, in fact, the great author, Chris Judige, who wrote books. See how I played that, Rick? Uh-huh. Wrote four books, right? Uh, first book he wrote on Roberto Duran, second one on Alexis Arguello, followed that up with another masterpiece uh, on Wilfredo Gomez, and then this latest book, Macho Time, uh, Macho Camacho, that came out October of 2020. We're going to be talking to him today on the show. He's going to be talking about those books, about those fighters, about boxing in general. What a treat that we're all in for, Rick. No, yeah, excited to hear from him. Very knowledgeable um, author, um, and he's talking about uh, four of the greatest Latin American fighters. Yeah, without a doubt, right? Yeah, if you make a list, you make a list of top 10 uh, Latin fighters. These guys are the Latin kings. Mm -hmm. They're called that for a reason, right? Um, Not a lot of fights over the weekend, Rick, right? Not yeah, a, no, not a busy card. Yeah, it's uh, you know generally the uh, the beginning of January's uh, s- slow period. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I'll tell you what wasn't slow. Uh-huh. Okay, I had an opportunity to go over a local boxing gym and watch a couple of the young fighters that um, that we've had um, mm-hmm. an opportunity to talk with Lazaro Lorenzana and Raúl Lizarraga. Of course, yeah. Lazaro three and zero fights at the what would it be the. Uh, Super uh, super welterweight, okay. junior middleweight, yeah. 154, okay, depending what sanctioning body you're looking at. Uh, got a chance to catch up with him uh, and Raul Saraga, little sparring session. Let me tell you something. Both extremely impressive in person. Yeah, man. You know, sorry I couldn't make it to that, but, uh, you know, definitely sounded like some hard-hitting action. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing, right? First of all, um, you couldn't find two better fine young men, right, mm-hmm. that are focused and that, you know, directionally are headed in the right way. I had an opportunity also to meet their dads, yeah. got to chat with them. By the way, their dads look like their brothers. Yeah. I mean, th- <laughs> these, these guys look young, right? Yeah. It's, it's very impressive. Good people, solid time. Uh, I'll tell you what, again, I, I, I've seen Raul at the gym. I've seen him work out, hitting the mitts, hitting mm-hmm. the bag. Very impressive in the ring. He's making his pro debut at the end of the month, January thirtieth. Rick. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's great, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, we can make it out to that. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, we 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 definitely have to. Um, and then Lasso Lorenzana again, three zero professional. I will tell you what, man, um, fundamentally so sound. Yeah, the crispness of of those left hooks. We've seen him knock guys out right uh-huh. with the ganchos aligado. Yeah. 
to see him in person. I'm sitting, I'm standing there ringside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I would have been done after about the first 10 seconds. Yeah. No, no. This dude cracks. Yeah. No, that's great that uh, he's got a good uh, foundation. It looks when he's starting out his career. Something else, man. And and uh, again, just 10 tens as, as human beings. Um, so here's the deal, Rick. So let me set the table here. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit of boxing news, right? Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that we get everybody caught up with what's going on in the yeah. world of boxing. No fights this weekend, but there is some stuff happening. And then we got the interview conversation with the great Chris Judajay, again, author of four masterpieces. You guys are going to absolutely love that um, and everything that he's got to say. So we'll be right back. Pacifico's Boxing. Pacifico's Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado, and we're back. And again, before we get to uh, our guest who's going to be joining us here shortly that I'm really fired up about, man. I can't believe, I'm telling you, and I found out, you know, the corresponding back and forth, and and uh, it was a little before Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, it doesn't matter what I get for Christmas, like, yeah. done, right? I felt, honestly, um, when I was five years old, I got a big wheel, Rick. Did you ever get a big wheel? <laughs> Uh, yeah. You did? Yeah. yeah. So you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But for me, it was a big deal for me because, you know, everybody on the block had one, uh-huh. right? And so uh, we couldn't, right? We we didn't have a lot of money growing up mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, you know, I wake up and there's this big box, you know? You know how it is. Or yeah. at least that's how it was in my house. I was very blessed. You know what I mean? We didn't have a lot of money, but we weren't poor, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I opened it up and I was like, damn, I got it, Right. I'm not even exaggerating, right? It sounds like I'm, I'm I'm really making this very dramatic, but you know, at this point, right, in my life, when um, when Chris agreed to come on the show, mm-hmm. and it was like a day before Christmas, a lot of stuff going on personally for me. It complete. I felt the same way, man. No, yeah, that's it's great to uh, great to hear. So there you have it. He's coming up, okay. But we do have some boxing news yeah. to talk about before we get to Chris. So what's going on in the boxing world, Chris? Uh, uh, Rick, sorry. Yeah, uh, just just a few fights. Um, you know, that are starting to get scheduled um, for the beginning of the year. We got uh, Miguel Miguel Burchelt, Oscar Valdez scheduled for February twentieth, and um, you know we won. This was one of our top five fights for twenty twenty. And it looks like it's finally going to come. Yeah, I still don't like it. We talked about it. We'll break it down a little bit more. I think that um, Oscar Valdez, right, you can never question his heart. Mm -hmm. But I think that he's – it's very much the um, Santa Cruz and Tank Davis. Yeah. It's it's too much, too big. I don't like this matchup for him. If I was his manager, if I was counseling him, Mm -hmm. providing direction, boundaries, et cetera, I would not advise this fight for him. No, yeah, and I I think he – he, he gets knocked out in this fight and uh, probably before the sixth, seventh. Highly, highly likely. Yeah. Yep. Um, Gabriel Flores Jr. was supposed to fight uh, Andrew Concio on this card. Yes. Uh, Concio um, injured, so um, they're going to have to fight another opponent for um, Gabriel Flores. Um, also, the IBF is ordering uh, Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosos Jr. Um, looks like Top Rank is uh, working on getting this scheduled for Australia. In either April or May. And I think that makes sense, by the mm-hmm. way, right? Um, uh, Cambosos is ranked number one by the by the IBF, mm-hmm. number one by the WBO, right? 
Uh, this will shock you, Rick, but he's not ranked at all by the WBC or uh, or the WBA. <laughs> yeah. Right? How in the heck that it's happens? It's weird, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's like the, the Dodgers are on the first place in the National League West, but, you know, across the country they're not in first place at all. What? Yeah. Right? But anyways, be that as it may, I think it's a good fight. You know why, Rick? Because he kind of deserves Teofimo. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is going to be an easy fight. We'll talk about it the closer we get to it, yeah. if it ends up materializing. But I think after his performance against uh, Lomachenko, I think he kind of deserves a fight like this. No, yeah, right? definitely. You know, and I think um, Teofimo needs a fight, and it doesn't look like people are, you know, jumping to, uh, at the chance. You know, I think he wants yeah. Devin Haney. I think Devin Haney's going to do his, uh, you know, his, it sounds silly, but yeah. Devin Haney's going to do his mandatory with uh, Javier Fortuna, and if right. Fortuna's not available then uh, it'll be Linares. Yeah. Um, it's, also, it's, a, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, Ryan Garcia yeah, who won the yeah. interim, the coveted but, the coveted interim. But, yeah, it just uh, – I think Ryan Garcia is going to try to, uh, you know, if he can get a Tank Davis fight, he'll take it. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think that fight will materialize, not now. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe Ryan Garcia, Jorge Linares, you know, is what I'm hearing. That'd be great. Yeah. They were going to fight before, right? Yeah. And he was calling – I think that I think that'd be great. Mm-hmm. It's another step up from Luke Campbell, certainly. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, you know, I know you're. Gonna, this is exciting news for you. Yes. Uh, Adrian Broner oh, has wow. got a fight scheduled for February 13th. Wow, uh, yeah. that's 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 great. That's great. You know. So, yeah. Now uh, boxing's back. Yeah, but now boxing. Yeah, is back. now. Yeah. Wow. Um, he hasn't fought since. Uh, it was a void. January of 2019. Yeah. And against Manny Pacquiao. Wow. Yeah. You know, so it's been a while. A very memorable fight uh-huh. for us, by the way. Yeah. Us watching that in Vegas at the Circus Circus. Yes. Right? Down in the middle of the hallways, right? Uh-huh. Trying to get reception. Trying to get reception. As the reception of a wedding <laughs> uh-huh. party, right? Joins us. Joins Remember us that? To, yeah. We all, you know. Starts. And uh, by the way, you know, and this is the beauty about boxing, uh-huh. right? This doesn't happen in other sports like mm-hmm. this, right? We had, what, 10, 15, 20 people all of a sudden start joining us, yes. right? Buying us adult beverages uh-huh. because we were showing the fight, right? And, and just you know, on uh-huh. an iPad, right? Yeah, right, right. So it was it was something else. Yeah, that yeah. was that was memorable. But yeah, that's that's huge, mm-hmm. huge for boxing that Adrian Broner's coming back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. all the big fights that can be made after this. Yes. Yeah. yeah finally. Finally. Yeah. There's a disturbance in the in the force, <laughs> so to speak. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah. <laughs> other news. Uh, Evander Holyfield says he's negotiating for a fight with uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, it'll be an exhibition, is from what I'm hearing, and uh, so negotiations are going right. Yeah, now. Yeah, what else would it be, Rick? If yeah. it's a, what, a, an exhibition, uh, yeah, no, okay. It just, you know, I'm, I'm informing the fans. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just it's sad that we even have to talk about these. But again, right? It just mm-hmm. tells you the state of boxing when the Holyfields and the Tysons and yeah. the Tysons and the Roy Jones Jr. take center stage, right? Um, Holyfield, by the way, is also um, supposedly um, helping and consulting with Conor McGregor to help him prepare for what is a, 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 a big Pacquiao. mega fight. Yeah, with yeah. Manny Pacquiao. So, which yeah, I think McGregor fights here in a couple of weeks UFC. So, yeah, you know, it's right. weird that he's already working on that. But some of these guys, man. I mean, do you do you hear? Uh, you know, when you listen to Evander Holyfield talk, right, in the speech, yeah. honestly, man, you feel. Right. It's like I told you I had an opportunity to uh, to sit and chat with Tommy Hearns for a mm-hmm. bit. Same thing there. Yeah. Right. Um, who's who's the other guy? Um, the guy that was was uh, wanted 50 bucks basically for a conversation. Uh, James Tony. Yeah. James lights out yeah. Tony. Same thing. Yeah. 
Anyways, go ahead, yeah. Rick. Sorry. Um, also, too, uh, Josh Warrington, uh, Zoo Khan. Yeah. Uh, February 13th, uh, Matchroom. Love that. Yeah. I, lo- no. I love that fight, right, um, against Kanzu. You want to see a fight that's going to be action-packed? It's that one, mm-hmm. okay? Most people are not going to be aware of that, but fight fans like us, right, yeah. and people that listen to the show, wow. Josh Warrington was the one that completely um, annihilated Carl Frampton, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's the fight, by the way. I want to see Josh Warrington and Leo Santa Cruz. Yeah. That's the fight. I've been calling for that for a whole year, right? That's the fight I want to see. Yeah, especially when Gary Russell's sitting there, sitting on his uh, on his belt. Yeah. You know, for yeah. He's not going to fight. He's yeah. not going to fight. And see, there's so many fights to be made in that division, right? Mm-hmm. You still got um, you got Emmanuel Navarrete, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Emmanuel Navarrete, Josh Warrington, Leo Santa Cruz, Kanzu. I. I'm not even going to mention I can you know Gary Russell Jr. You got to fight yeah. to be considered, but those four guys, man, it's like a little mini tournament there. Yeah, I'm telling you. No, yeah, you know, definitely, I'd love to see all those fights get made. Yep. Um, you got anything else for the boxing news? It was it was pretty short this week. Well, again, um, no, I mean the 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 there was no fights over the weekend, yeah. so there's no, there's nothing to cover there. Mm-hmm. Um. Cancio, like I said, you know, we saw Cancio, right? That's unfortunate, yeah. by the way. You mentioned the cancellation uh-huh. with uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. He's that uh, uh, the kid from a really good story from Stockton. Mm-hmm. Remember, his mother passed away, right? Yeah. So he's got a really good story. Cancio, we actually saw him fight live when he mm-hmm. beat, uh, knocked out Albert Machado uh-huh. for the championship. We yeah. even had a, uh, by the way, a, a chango. Uh-huh. Um, Gancio, right? Had the falling out with Golden Boy, mm-hmm. signs with Top Rank, and has yet to have a single fight. Yeah, and he's been signed for over a year. Yeah, and yeah. it's unfortunate, right? Because the COVID has impacted. Uh, remember, mm-hmm. he was the one that also had that fight that the sanctioning bodies for the state said no, it's too, it's too lopsided, which yeah. is ridiculous. Um, so I was actually looking forward to that fight. I, yeah. I think that fight would have been pretty entertaining, and it would have been Gabriel Flores Jr.'s first real test. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, dis- disappointed that that uh, that fight's not going to take place. Um, you know, hopefully they can find a, you know, now it's kind of late in the game to find like a. They'll they'll find similar. somebody because he he's he's yeah. a, he's enough of a name and Flores Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not you know against the former champion. Yeah. So, all right, folks. So here we go. Coming up next, we have author Chris Judaje. Can't wait, Rick. Like I said, I'm that five-year-old. Even though I had a good feeling what was Mm -hmm. in that box, right? I still wanted to open it up, and there was still an excitement. I have that same feeling. Folks, I hope you do as well. Pacific Coast Boxing, we'll be right back. All right, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado, Pacific Coast Boxing. And on the line with us, so Rick, if the individual on the line with us had a profile in boxing rec, mm-hmm. the profile in boxing rec would say that he was 4-0 and with four knockouts. Yeah. Those four knockouts, first one came in 2006. The author of the book, Hands of Stone, The Life and Legend of Roberto Duran, followed that up with knockout number two in 2012, Beloved Warrior, The Rise and Fall of Alexis Arguello. 2016, A Fire Burns Within, about Wilfredo Bazooka Gomez. Not even arguably the greatest Puerto Rican fighter of all time, not Felix Trinidad. Sorry, Rick. And then in 2020, (laughs) recently released Macho Time. Of course, I'm talking about the author of these four masterpieces, Chris 
Judah J. Chris, thanks for joining Pacific Coast Boxing. How are you? Guys, this is uh, this is great. Um, I'm doing great, and um, I'm really excited to talk boxing with you guys. Thank yeah. You. No, absolutely. It's 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 great to great to have you here. By the way, as I'm going through kind of his dossier, Rick, with the, I think he actually is busier than Gary Russell Jr. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you didn't mention you know all those four wins that he had. You know, all, all first round knockouts. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. He's right on the heels of of, of Andrew Berlanga, right? Yeah. Another Puerto Rican uh, from out in your area. So, Chris, um, four masterpieces, right? Again, started in 2006. Um, the last one culminated uh, with 2020 Macho Time, The Meteoric Rise and Tragic Fall of Hector Camacho. But when, when you read the books, and by the way, they are, they're virtuoso performances, the details, the color, the supporting cast, when you're reading these, and by the way, it made me as a fight fan uh, rewatch fights that I had already seen, Rick, because you're looking at them from a different perspective. But the books are written from a pure boxing fan. So, Chris, how did you get started? When did you become a boxing fan? Yeah, Alfonso, I started, um, you know, I would probably say when I was about 12 or 13 years old in New Jersey. Um, you know, the, the when I was younger, one of the things, you know, I was, I was into football, baseball, I was into every single sport, but you know, my dad was getting these boxing magazines and it kind of, it, it was something in boxing that, you know, that I didn't see in other sports. I couldn't put my, my finger on what it was. Sure. And then, um, my dad just started taking me with the, with the guys, um, to, to see the fights in Atlantic city. And I, you know, I always start with that because going back that far, I don't, I don't think there was anything that really sparked me in the sport yet until i actually saw them live sure and i realized you know there was about 500 500 people at a little <laughs> you know a little sands casino uh show and i'm watching uh, arturo gaddy in one of his first five ten fights i mean that that was wow. pretty special i didn't know it at the time mm -hmm. but i knew I, I was watching something that i could access that a, a lot of kids my age weren't and that, sure. that was that was something that was special to me so i, I think um, one, you know, not only going to see those fights, but then being able at, at that time, we're all reading the box scores for, you know, for whatever sport we're, we're That's following. Right. That's right. And I was getting these ring magazines and I'm looking through them and I'm like, okay, so th th these particular fighters and I was drawn, um, to, uh, you know, uh, Boom Boom Mancini, mm -hmm. Duran, Camacho, uh, those guys. And, um, but, but to be honest, you know, it was, it was a combination of wanting to connect with my dad finding something that was that was very kind of unique and specific and that I could like on my own I, I could understand it and understand what was happening for the most part right because mm -hmm. I didn't understand the intricacies of the sports sure. yet and sure. so I, so I was kind of like growing with the sport and learning with my dad um, and all these things that you know were combining to to make me really become this like this boxing fan and, yeah. and I was I was I saw myself in a different light as I was watching these guys, and I wasn't drawn to knockout. You know, I, you know, see, seeing a big heavyweight was not something that I was, you know, really excited to see when I went to see these fights in Atlantic City. But I seeing see. a a young hundred and you know twenty six hundred thirty thirty five pound or whatever whatever mm -hmm. it was at the time, mm -hmm. I liked. I, I was more drawn to the technique. So a lot of these things were happening uh, when I was younger. Wow, that, that's interesting. And the thing is about boxing, right? Uh, Rick and I talked about it, I think, on one of our first boxing podcasts, is that 
there's um there's a connection with fighters, right? Unlike now, don't get me wrong, we're big baseball fans, right? But the Dodgers will go on. The players will change, but 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 the Dodgers go on, and not so much with fighters, right? It's like watching the fighters. It's almost like it's a connection that you have, right? And and you watch their career, and they have to navigate. It's a very very short tenure when they're great, and then they're gone. And I think that's what kind of makes, you could say they're about professional athletes, but we're really as much fans of the teams, if that makes sense, Chris, right? And boxing is a little different that way. Would you agree? No, I, that's, a, that's a great analogy. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a Phillies fan, um, and I knew every, you know, all the statistics. Yeah. But then I was, you know, when I was, when I was following these, uh, and, and I would say Camacho was one of the the early guys. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, there's like a trajectory of the career, and I'm I'm watching it unfold. Right. And and, and you're you're exactly right. Like you know that you know if <laughs> you learn early on that these guys aren't going to last, and 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 you, you you become attached to them. I mm-hmm. mean, inextricably attached to these fighters. Right. And um, so, for some fighters, you you don't you're not exactly sure why, but there's something you just love about them. You know, maybe it may be how they act after the fight. It may be you know, um, it may be their speed, it may be their defense, um, but there, there's something that draws you to them. You're exactly right. It's, you know, in a team sport, there, there's not that level of it, – it's not like you know them. And, and with, with boxing, because you're, you, you know every little nuance um, of them outside the ring as far as statistics and then can match that up and start learning things about how they approach a fighter, um, you know, how they uh, throw that jab. I mean, I think it's even that much more interesting um, to follow. No, I, 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 I totally agree. And it's you, you make a great point, right, about they're just certain fighters. Um, I'll give an example, right? Julio Cesar Chavez, you know, greatest Mexican fighters of all time. I'm not a big fan of him, <laughs> right? I'm supposed to be, yeah. right? Because I'm Mexican. My parents are from Mexican. But I just don't connect with that dude, man, yeah. right? And, well, well, I am a big fan, you know, I think growing now, up. See, there you, you know, go. Yeah, so it, I guess it just depends. But Chris makes a good point, yeah. right, is that he, I never thought about it that yeah. way, you know? So thanks for moving me five degrees over, Chris. I didn't really realize that that there are there's a certain connection for some reason maybe it's their style maybe it's two of my favorite fighters by the way just happen to be two of the ones that you wrote about Alexis Arguello and and Roberto Duran and you know we had to watch the uh, Alexis Arguello fight um, on closed circuit right the, the the Bob Arum started that at the LA Sports Arena and I'll tell you what man I don't remember a more somber car ride on the way home than that right we were we were devastated when he when Arguello lost, man. And boxing just does that something. Don't get me wrong. When the Lakers or Dodgers lose, I'm impacted, but not like that. Because the other thing is, the Dodgers are just losing because the other team scored more runs. Your fighter's losing because he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> you know. And, I, I, and you make a great point with that. <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to bring you back to Chavez. I just. Uh... <laughs> You know, he's a guy I've, I've I've grown to love later in the career. And what's so what's so interesting about boxing is that mm-hmm. you have that chance to to find that fighter who, you know, um, for instance, my dad never liked Hagler for some reason, wow. and, and then yeah. he started watching his fights again, yeah. you know, ten years ago. Yeah, and he's like, what, what was I missing? So I think <laughs> you don't that in other sports, right? You, you, there's right. No way. Right. You know, you're not you're not going to go watch those games. So I think I, I love the fact that that you uh, you mentioned. Um, you know, after after the after that fight, you you were somber, mm-hmm. but you were somber for so many different reasons than you were if, if you're you know if you're watching like you said the Dodgers or or, or the Lakers. So, right. 
Yeah, I mean, really great points to to mention there. Yeah. Bo- boxing is like that, you know, where um, you know you may not have liked that boxer as when they were fighting, and then now that they're commentators, you like them as commentators, and then you go back and you watch their fights, and you know you like them, you know, you review their career. Yeah. Yeah, and and if you you know and if you review them, I think um, yeah. you know sometimes, and I I, I like. Um, I like going back and, you know, I want to show a reader, you know, I want to take them to that fight. One of the most important things early on is the first thing I do is take them to what are the, what are the 10 or 15 fights that I'm going to cover in, in the book extensively. Mm-hmm. And I want to make them see those fights from an angle that um, hopefully is, is educated, but also an angle they might not have seen it, which, which mixes in commentary for them to also think about the fight. And what's happening to that fighter, not only physically, but mentally as the rounds progress. So, you know, I, I, like you said, and, and it's more fun, right? It's more fun. Like I get to write a book, oh, and watch these fights again mm-hmm. and um, or, or for the first time. So I think uh, I think it's a challenge, um, but it also um, kind of reinvigorates you as a boxing fan because you, you have this, you know, a lot of times you find this gem where you're thinking, oh, gosh, I've only seen one of their fights. What took me so long? Mm hmm. And, and I'll tell you, by the way, and that's a good segue. And by the way, uh, I, I do have one bone to pick with you, Chris, and that's that you've only written four books, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> because I tell you, when I'm done reading those books, right, maybe not as somber as the car ride home after Argoyle uh, lost the first one, but it's like, man, the vivid details that that you go into. I'm telling you, I had to rewatch the fights because it's a completely different perspective on, on a lot of them, even, uh, you know, Camacho's fight in Alaska. Um, I was showing my son. I said, watch how Camacho cheats and puts his hand over this guy's neck and then uppercuts him. That's dirty. But but let but let me go back to, to the book writing. So um so thank you for kind of level setting, giving us the context on where you came from a boxing perspective. And by the way, I agree with your dad. I'm still not a huge Marvin Hagler fan. <laughs> okay. Just not. The man never never left the middleweight division. Everybody always had to come up to him, but that's a whole that, that's a discussion for another day. Um so so, so when does that light come on, Chris, that you say, you know what, it's time to write a book on boxing? H- how does that happen? Well, the the, fir- the first thing is, I you know, um, I start to get that, you know, I, I guess it's just like an itch. Like, I, you know, I, I, my body is, like, I, <laughs> I got to get back. I mean, I, I, take a, I take a little bit of time to um, to promote the book after. Um, and, and this one's been different because Camacho, I've gotten more support as far as, um, you know, the promotional aspect, I had okay. a publicist, you know, working directly with me who was, who was great. And, and so it was, it was a lot less, you know, uh, it wasn't as laborious on my end. So okay. that, that made it a little bit easier, but, but I think the, the light goes on, mm-hmm. um, when, when usually it happens after I, you know, I have like, like three or four guys, mm-hmm. um, who, who I try to get and, and I try, you know, I, I, I exhaust all of the options, um, trying to reach out to, to those fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it, it doesn't, it doesn't come through either. You know, the first couple don't come through because it's an interest. I mean, it's a, um, either they, they feel they're at the wrong time in their career. Okay. They wanted to wait or financially. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it financially Okay, or, um, or there was, you know, something else that they weren't, um, they, they just weren't, they, they weren't excited about a book. And then I, and then I would go and then I, but, but I would eventually, you know, stay pretty, persistent and i'd keep watching fights and mm-hmm. and think about who would be the next guy and i've always wanted to i've always wanted to cover 
uh, fighters from Latin America. Okay. Because um, from Panama, when doing the first book on Duran, I just mm-hmm. fell in love with the people of Panama, and I said, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna move from from this particular vantage point. I'm always that that lens is always going to be on Latin American fighters. Sure. And um, and it's such it's such an enjoyable it's so enjoyable writing the books, and that itch comes. When, when, when I get somebody who says, you know, and, and Gomez was a good example. I worked with Gomez for about, you know, six months okay. on a contract and getting different people involved and then, you know, making all these different calls and he finally signed the contract. And then it's, and then it's like, and then something clicks on, like okay. as soon as they sign that contract and, um, and, and, and it's like, you know, everything that you've been thinking about can now come to fruition. Sure. I get into a, like mentally into like this zone, like, okay, well, first thing I'm going to do, mm-hmm. and then I start putting these pieces together to write that particular book. Camacho was a little bit different because I felt like I needed that the, the, there was a different level of pressure for Camacho that I, that I don't think I have faced with Arguello and, and Gomez in the sense that I felt like I just needed to improve in the storytelling aspect. Okay. So it was a little bit different process for Camacho. But for me, as soon as I realized that it, that a fighter or, 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 or the fighter's agent has, has agreed to, um, to do the book, then I start mapping it out. But, but, th- but that's when I get really excited. So I start, you know, just the, the possibilities and the arc of that particular story is it starts to unfold. Um, so I, I, I would say there's a couple, a couple different variables that play into it. Um, but, but when I get, when I get the okay to move forward, um, I start, I don't know how to explain it. Like I just start to change the way I approach, um, not only my job, but, but also, um, you know, uh, as a writer, um, and, and writing these books. No, that that's amazing, and, and the passion comes through in these books. And once you decide um, to take that journey, Chris, does everything kind of on you know personal life and your other professional life is that kind of put on hold, um, or are you literally burning you know the midnight oil, um, you put putting these books together? Well, um, it's it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, and that's why, you know, the um, I, I think the Camacho book was, you know, usually I spend the summers as I'm a teacher. And sure. I teach, um, I teach high school English, and usually in the summers, uh, I would have them to to write. Okay. Um, but but I have a you know a seven year old daughter and a, and a four year old son, and and it's just not, you know, even if even if I wanted to, um, I wouldn't have the time to. Uh, to take off to, to write, you know, you sure. know, five or six hours a day. Yeah. So everything for the Camacho book was done from like 9 p.m. on as wow. soon as my son went to, went to bed. So wow. I wouldn't say everything is put on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, my family, uh, especially my wife, has to kind of sometimes, <laughs> you know, interviews occur from like eight to ten at night sure. or, or ten to a, ten to like eleven thirty. Makes sense. So it's a yeah. So it's a much different time frame. Um in, in my mind, though, I, I you know, it, it, you, whoever that fighter is kind of takes hold of every, you know, I, I can't really get that, that fighter out of my mind for the next, what, you know, for, for Camacho, it was almost two years. Yeah, well, understandably so, right? You're essentially in that zone where you almost have to be focused on on the subject matter, which, of course, is the, is the, is the human being. And I'll tell you, by the way, um, you know, the what 
what makes your books, right, masterpieces is that it's not just the fighter that you're learning about. It's all of the supporting cast that you're able to put together, Chris. And, and that's another thing. I mean, how are you able to get, you know, the trainers, the managers, the fighters, right? Not just like the great fighters. I mean, you know, the, the, the five, the fifth or sixth fight in their career, the corner men. Um, that couldn't have been easy, but that's really what adds to the story of each of these fights that you're able to articulate in such a beautiful manner. Yeah. By, by the way, thank you. Thank you so much for the compliments. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I, when I, when I wrote the, when I went to Panama and, um, and wrote that book on Duran, it, it was almost like when, when I left, um, New Jersey. When I told my family, I was mm -hmm. like, I was writing um, for a newspaper, okay, uh, a small newspaper in in uh, in South Jersey, and I and I just told my parents, I'm like, I'm I'm going to write a book on Duran. Wow. And 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 that was it. And, yeah. And I left for wow. and I left for Panama. Wow. Um, and um, so so when I did that, I promised myself that you know I was going to do it the right way, and and that meant hunting down all of the all of the the people in Duran's life who I felt were, you know, who, who were, were on, even on the periphery. And, and, and since I established that early, I think, I think there was just a sense that, uh, for the next books, I, I would follow that particular model, that, that, that focus. Um, and when I got to Camacho, you know, it's, it's really interesting, mm -hmm. you know, 10 or 12 of those, of those same, you know, I wouldn't say ten or twelve. I would say maybe six to eight. I, I could carry over to each book. Sure. And they would look yeah. at it from a different perspective. You know, and and, and for each one, so I would get like uh, Boom Boom Mancini mm -hmm. um, would be one of the one of the guys who, who who would carry over, which is nice, right? He fought, um, you know, Camacho, right, uh, as well as and then Arguello, uh, Arguello. Mm -hmm. um, and and Jimmy Montoya. Um, you know, uh, Don Don Chargan was um, yes. where he pet passed away would help me out with every single book. So, wow. uh, Russell Peltz, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of these guys would, would, uh, would help me. So to, to make a long story short is, you know, I just felt an, a necessity to include everyone that I could, um, in, in that particular focus, um, in order for you to get the best, um, like, like you said, to understand not only the lives of the fighter, but also those around him. Camacho was a little bit hard. Because at the end of the book, when when the deadline, when it was ready to go, okay. I got like I got three or four calls from childhood friends who had these <laughs> amazing stories um, to share with me. No kidding. And I went to wow. the publisher and I mm -hmm. said, we, we got to put these in. Yeah. And and, um, and fortunately, which I think was a really good call, the mm -hmm. publisher just said, you know what? We, we, we can't we can't provide the context for this. You can't just put a story in and. You know, so it was frustrating, wow. but I was able to use those in articles later. Um, uh, you use these uh, the Latin American fighters. Um, how's how's your Spanish? You know, um, I, I went and um, and learned Spanish in um, at Temple University when I when I realized okay. I couldn't talk to Duran. And every time I went to Duran, he'd say, uh, "Get me a, get me a translator." Okay. I can't, you know, I don't understand this kid. Um, so I, I went and learned Spanish. Wow. Um, um, for four or five months, like an intense Spanish class, and and it really helped me because it got Duran's, um, you know, it 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 it, uh, it allowed him to see me in a different light. Like I wasn't just this kid bothering him. Sure. Um, uh, I was actually I went and learned Spanish, so it earned his respect at the time, and I was able to use my Spanish um, specifically for 
the um, Arguello, okay, when I went to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also in Puerto Rico. It, it, yeah. it progressively um, – I just didn't have time to to speak it enough over those those next two years. Sure, but I could still ask questions in Spanish, right? Which was which was helpful in some regards because I you know I have a recorder and I could translate the, the answers. But um, I, yeah. I I felt like um, the Spanish was was really vital um, in order to um, to like you said to. to to get the attention of some people who otherwise wouldn't listen to me or, or, or pay any attention to me if I didn't speak a little Spanish. No, I would agree. There's That's even, yeah, there's a level of respect that comes with that too, right? If the guy's willing to, and by the way, I'm sure you, you observe, right? The different, uh, the different types of Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. As you from Panama, Nicaragua, and especially Puerto Rico. Um, so that's very impressive, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's something else. Yeah. And, and by the way, um, again, the you know all the the I say the bit players, but you know all the supporting cast, like you said, Montoya. Um, I think Montoya is the fighter that Camacho gave his uh, the, the the big the gold letter M to, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so I was thinking of, I was thinking of his former um, trainer slash manager, Jimmy Montoya. Jimmy Montoya, uh, okay. Not Rocky Montoya. The I got um, the wrong guy. Uh, there. So Sorry. there's two Montoyas, okay. right? And there's there's no relation. Okay. With Jimmy Montoya. That's right. Was the trainer that's right so um so let's so let's get into the into some of the actual fighters okay and so the first fighter um that you wrote the book on and i think it was it was it was fitting in 2006 hands of stone the legend uh life and legend of roberto duran and and is is it fair to say right um of the four fighters probably the most well-known right maybe because of his weight the fact that he fought all the way into super middleweight beat sugar ray leonard right america's darling but probably the most the most well-known of the four would that be a, a fair statement to maybe the uh maybe the casual boxing fan right chris yeah i mean um you know, I think well known, the best. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's hard to say that that, um, that if, if we compared all four of them, you know, Duran. Um, I, I find a really hard uh, argument to say he wasn't wasn't the best out of the four. But um, yeah, you well known. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I thought there was a part of me that thought Camacho, just because he was. Um, you know, Macho Camacho, sure. the name itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, casual boxing fans and the entertaining aspect. You know, there was a different element to Camacho that that the other the other fighters didn't have. Uh, but I think with Nomas, I think I think when you when you look at Nomas and, and the casual boxing fan, um, I, I just think you're absolutely right. I, you know, mo- most people uh, would agree that that Duran um, longevity, um, the big fights. I think, uh, yeah, exactly, more well known. But I think I think Camacho, um, out, of, out of those four, was probably probably the closest. I, do you agree? I mean, as far as as far as a recognizable I, name, I would, I would, and it's interesting that you say that because um, the the Camacho documentary right came out with kind of coincided with your book, by the way. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, yeah, and by the way, I you know. I think that was a good thing, right? Because I tell folks, listen, I'm a reader, right? I love, you know, if you love the movie Gone with the Wind, then the, you're going to find the book amazing, right? If you love the Godfather movies, the books, Mario Puzo blows them away. And the same with your book, by the way, Chris, no comparison. If you like the documentary, read the book. It's like the documentary doesn't even do it justice. So amazing job on that. 
Um, so yes, I, I, I went down a rabbit hole, but I was hanging out um, with my uh, my oldest daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And the documentary was on, and she knew. She goes, "Oh yeah," she goes, "That's that uh, Macho Camacho guy," okay. And she does. She knows oh, very wow. little. Right, she knows very little about boxing, right? So, so you're right. He does have the most recognizable name. Um, so, going back to Duran, right? So, completely cleaned out the lightweight division. Okay, arguably, I think probably the greatest lightweight of all time. Right, would not be a stretch to say that. Certainly. Um, Career span thirty three years, like a lot of these guys. Although maybe Gomez, Gomez's career was only fifteen years. Um, yeah. You know, fought obviously kept fighting, even fought Camacho. I don't count those fights, but they do count on the record, Rick. <laughs> yeah. Like some of our fans have said, right? We've tried to discount some of those, Chris, at the end of their career, but they're like, look, if they fought, they fought. But okay, fine, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I take issue with that, but it, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, div- uh, champions in four weight divisions, lightweight. Welterweight, middleweight, um, super middleweight. So, you know, Roberto Duran, right? Intimidating, of course, the hands of stone. Um, you know, uh, how is he described by sports writers, as you say, right? The, uh, his eyes were dark coals of fire. Anything he sneered at, frozen terror, right? I mean, the guy scared people before they even got in the ring. I love, and by the way, this is this is pure poetry uh, from Chris Judajek, um, uh, uh Rick. This is from the book. Durant, his sparring sessions were feral portraits of precision. That's beautiful stuff, by the way, Chris. Oh, thank you. That is, that is beautiful stuff, my friend. So, right, so Roberto Duran, right, the intimidator. He was mean. I don't know if he was a boxer puncher. He definitely was not a brawler, right? He was very calculated. How would you describe Duran's boxing style? Yeah, I mean, boxer puncher, uh, I guess, you know, if you look at all the different stylists, um, you know, he was definitely, an, and, I, and I think a, a, a lot of, bo- uh, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you love boxing, you, you look at Duran and, um, he was a guy, you know, he, he could make mistakes and then he would over, he could, you know, compensate because of his skill. I mean, he, he magnificent skill. Um, but his, um, you know, his boxing skills were, were also amazing. I mean, he didn't, you know, especially when he trained well and he was in good shape, he didn't get hit much, um, yeah. used head movement. Um, you know, not as, uh, not, not certainly not a stylist, but yeah, a right. boxer puncher, um, a guy who could wear you down, but, but also not, you know, knock you out, um, early in a fight as well. Um, but you know he used head movement. He was he was a guy who um, di- didn't didn't necessarily follow behind a jab, um, but he hunted you down. Um, if you were you know if you were a uh, if you were a stylist yourself, it gave him fits. I mean he he didn't, he didn't necessarily like, like like fighting guys like Virouette. That's right. Um, because he'd have to chase them around the ring. Uh, so I, I think I think in his in his prime when he mm-hmm. was in perfect shape and he was conditioned well. I mean, you know, the tag unbeatable was there because yeah. you had you had no recourse to beat him. I mean, there, there was no there was <laughs> no angle, there was no approach, there was no uh, nothing that you could strategize uh, prior to the fight to offset. You know, because he had speed, he hurt you with every punch. <laughs> right. I mean, how many fighters can say that? So I th- I think um, you know if if you if you wanted to categorize him like that mm-hmm. you know I don't necessarily know if you could categorize a guy like Durant because his style was just um, was so different um, you know people people may, you know some people look at him as as a puncher you know I I don't I think he's a guy who wears you down 
uh, who, you know, who wear you down, but also was a volume puncher. He threw a lot of punches. Um, but at the same time, you know, he maybe wasn't as swift as his, his foot movement surprisingly, um, was not as, um, was not as great as a guy like, like Gomez. If you watch his foot movement, it was, it was just, a, you know, a thing of beauty. Uh, the same with Camacho. Right. But, uh, Camacho. you know, with Duran, you just, you, you couldn't find weaknesses. You just couldn't. And, and I'll tell you, by the way, um, and I agree with that. All four of these guys, by the way, you could say that, right. That when, when they were prepared mm-hmm. and trained and focused correctly in their prime, probably none of them could be beat. Right. Yeah, I think I, th- I think you know. Um, I think the one who was probably most consistently in shape mm-hmm. was uh, Arguello. Arguello, uh, yeah. And um, and you know, and even later in his career, there were some fighters who said, you know, training with Arguello, um, you know, he 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 had the the training down to a silence, but uh, to a science, but mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily as in shape as he was early in his career, but. Um, but yeah, you know, th- that goes for all four of them, right? Yeah, I mean, right. there was something so special. Yep. And, and you know, um, j- just when you watched them, especially, and, and I want to talk about Camacho just for a sec. Sure. Because when you look at all, f- when, when you look at all those guys when they were younger, they were all phenoms, right? Yes. I mean, you, you know, uh, Gomez was a guy who went to Cuba. Um, you know, in, in the amateurs and just beat everybody. That's right, which and, was unheard and, of. And came back with, um, you know, um, and, and he, he was a star. And mm-hmm. then, and then uh, but, but Camacho, I think just early on, if you look at his first 10 or 15 fights, he was near perfection. And, 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 and I don't know if, you know, Duran was great. Arguello, Arguello did not follow that particular um, you know, uh, that framework, mm-hmm. uh, he had to learn, he had to learn how to approach guys like Ernesto Marcel right. and Oliveris before mm-hmm. he was going to be a great fighter. So his learning curve happened as he was a professional while, while the other fighters, you know, Gomez and, uh, Camacho, their learning curve happened while they were amateurs. And then you had, um, you know, it's funny and, and there's, you know, Gomez as great as he was, yeah. you know, he had, a, he had a slip up in his, his debut and then he was right. He was great. So, uh, sorry to kind of take you off there, but I, I, I think, um, I think all of them, you know, if, if you looked at them and, and, and I guess this would go for a lot of fighters, right? Well, if you were in, if you trained like you should have, and you didn't allow the outside distractions, um, to kind of take you off of your game, I think that they were, you, you, you know, at certain weight classes, yeah. you're just not going to, you're not going to do anything. You're not, you're not going to beat them. Yeah, and it's interesting, by the way, with these guys, even the modern guys, right? But every time they lose, right? But but that's the interesting thing about your books is that you really give that that you know you provide a lot of color to what exactly transpired. And by the way, and it's okay, you know, we're jumping around here, but you know, we've got again just as a reminder, folks, right? Uh, Chris Judah J four no four knockouts for amazing masterpieces. So um, if we're jumping around, that's fine. Of of those fighters, you know, uh, Chris. I think it was Camacho, right, who probably didn't realize his potential as much as the other three, unfortunately, because he really wasn't as disciplined, got into a lot of problems outside of the ring. I think the other three, right, because Duran, again, 
um, probably the greatest lightweight of all time. He cleaned out the lightweight division. Even before he beat Sugar Ray Leonard, he'd already established himself, right? Uh, same with Alexis Hargoya, right? Probably at 130 pounds. I was talking to Rick. Probably one of the best 130-pounders. Some people say Floyd May- Mayweather Jr. Okay, maybe, right? Gomez, no doubt about the best super bantamweight, um, without question, and the greatest Puerto Rican fighter. But with Camacho, right, when I was putting some notes together for this, Chris, I thought, what was his best weight division? I've got lightweight, I guess, right? He won three championships. Um, if you consider the, you know, the WBO junior, uh, you know, lightweight or junior welterweight championship, but he's probably the one guy, right, that that didn't reach that greatness or didn't solidify himself, even though when you look at his resume, never being knocked out was pretty impressive. But does that make sense that, that he just didn't realize his potential as much as the other three guys? Yeah, I mean, it's so so I, I and I, I agree with you 100 percent in, in um, I, I think you look where he started and, and I, I think you have to just, you know, if you go back there and say, you know, you had guys like Gil Clancy, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, they were just gushing over yeah. over Camacho and yeah. rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, at at at, uh, at 130 pounds. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's just he didn't, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, he had problems with, you know, trainers, managers, um, uh, you know, drug issues. I mean, he, he just he couldn't stay on track. Um, and, 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 you know, he moved, you know, he moved out of the division to get rid of uh, to get to get away from uh, Don King on a couple different occasions. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at him at, you know, beating um, beating Lamone, I mean, Lamone was wasn't a great fighter um, at the time. Right. Just, I mean. I mean, if, if you if you just want to kind of capture that moment and, and you want to see how great he was, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he was he was the peak of he was, you know, what, what what he was going to do. I think at that point, people were already saying, you know, you're already comparing him to some of the old time greats um, and some of the old time greats were looking at him and saying, you are going to be an all time great. And, and I think I think by positioning him and already putting him on that pedestal. And, and by the way, not, not, you know, not hyperbole. He, he, he deserved it. Sure. He, he was that great. Sure. And, and then, and like you said, watching him, his career unfold, there was, there was a moment where each of us said, this isn't what we were, this isn't what we were, we were expecting. You know, we, we expected so much more and, you know, so he might not look at it that way. He might've said, you know, I'm a kid from Spanish Harlem. I came from nothing. Um, you know, I spent time at Rikers, you know, a lot of my, fr- I saw a lot of my friends, they never got out of Spanish Harlem. I was a hero to a lot of these kids in Spanish Harlem. Uh, I, you know, I won three titles, so he might have a different perspective. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Cause I'm, I'm sure, you know, fighters are more aware of their, their shortcomings than anybody else. But if you look at, uh, if you look at the trajectory of his career, I don't know if I'm being too critical by saying, you know, when he's beating guys like Pazienza, and then and Mancini right. and Haugen in the rematch, I'm thinking like these are guys that, that they shouldn't have lasted. You That's know, right. I hate to say it, but you know, five to seven rounds with him. Um, yeah. You know, th- th- these fights shouldn't have been close. No. Um, no. And um, and then when you get to him later on in his career, you know, you think, and sadly, when he's going in against Chavez, you say to your, you know, I, I don't think anybody framed it this way. Is that you know people were looking at him and saying, okay, can can he, you know, can he? Does he have the speed? Does he have the movement to beat a Chavez? And and I was young back then, so I don't know what, the, what my mindset <laughs> was. But 
now I look at him saying, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking like, is Camacho a lot older than I look at their ages? You know, they're about the same age. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. And Chavez yeah. just obliterated him. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, 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 the real answer should have been, and this is what we all wanted. If you watch Camacho moving up, you know, from 130 pounds, you're saying, you know, when he meets Chavez in, in a super fight, they should have been on even ground at, at the at best. I mean, he, he should have been still a great fighter. There's no reason why, you know, um, he let, you know, Chavez walk all over him. And, um, and, and so it's, it's hard to say, you know, uh, he was a great fighter to like, like you said, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He was a great entertainer. He had so many qualities that people loved about him, but there was, there was this particular criticism and, and you should have been the star of the 1980s mm-hmm. and, and you just fizzled out yeah. and, and, you know, and, and lastly, you know, Camacho, he, he was very, very, very jealous of those guys in, in the eighties, you know, Duran, um, Hearns, mm-hmm. Hagler, uh, Leonard, because when, when they, when they honored, there was one night they honored him and he wasn't even invited, um, to the awards and, and he showed up and he showed up because he felt, <laughs> you know, um, you know, he felt he earned it. And, um, and I think he, he just missed that group. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you that, um, that out of, out of those four fighters, yeah. Camacho's the one, um, that, uh, I, you know, not wasted town, but just, just wasn't living up to, to the expectations of, you know, the high, high standards that people had for him. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, right? Because he was beautiful to watch early on in his career, his footwork, right? Watch some of the old fights, Rick, his footwork. You don't see anybody with that footwork anymore. I mean, the, the, the guy was that good, how he would position himself. I, you know, where he went astray, right? Whereas, you know, the good and bad of it, right? Is he kind of established himself as that WWF, that, that heel, right? Mm-hmm. That heel in wrestling. But he really was the first one. When you see fighters today, right, dressed with all those, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the non, um, non-formal or boxing, you know, the, the, what you would normally, the traditional boxing trunks, et cetera. That, trunks. Yeah, that's all Camacho. Like Camacho introduced all that. It's almost, Chris, I think sometimes like he was almost a little bit ahead of his time with, with you know, having the right promotional and really spinning up the whole Macho Time propaganda machine because I can tell you as a boxing fan back then, I could not wait to see this guy lose, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't. I could not wait. And, and, and here's the thing, right? And this is why boxing is so special. I loved watching Chavez put a, dr- a, a drubbing on him, right? Mm-hmm. And I was not a big Chavez fan, right? Now, right, reading the book and watching that fight again, like, I feel for the guy, man. How crazy is that, right? I do. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. was, it was painful for me to watch, Chris. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable that you just told that story because I was wondering if I should even say that, but I, I felt exactly the same way. I mean, so so I went, I, I bought like a VHS tape and I, and I would tape, I guess they had like a, an, a, I don't know if I taped, um, they had a Camacho night or something. Now, I watched these fights, Louis Lloyd, Johnny Sato and, and Melvin um, Paul. Okay. And, um, and I was like, and I was just like, and, and Lamone, and, and I was like, whoa. And, you know, a kid, I'm a teenager. I'm not even out of high school. And I'm just like, what is this? What, you know, this is, this, this guy's, this guy's fabulous. And then yeah. by the, by the time, so, so it kind of, you know, paralleled what you're thinking by the yeah. time he fought Mancini, yeah. I'm like, Mancini better kill this guy. Like, <laughs> like right, in, in, right. in the, in the, um, in the frame of like, you know, five or six years, 
I turned on him. So what yep. he was doing, you're right. Yep. Was um so it's part <laughs> it's two things, right? It's part that he become this heel and he was so good at it. Right. And then it's it's also the part like, well, you, you stopped you stopped the um, you know you're no longer aggressive. You're not, you're not offensive minded. Right. And, um, and that that really bothered me as well. Is that you know his style had had transformed after Rosario. Right. Um, and uh, he he just you know he wasn't the same fighter. You know maybe longevity wise he stayed around a little bit longer. I I don't know, but. But um, like you are exactly right. When, when by the time Chavez got to him, I was yeah. like, <laughs> "Go Chavez!" I and it's and it's unfortunate, like you said, because you know a, a disciplined Camacho, a focused Camacho, that's a heck of a fight. That is a heck of a fight. I think he would have given Chavez fits, as did uh, you know Maldrick Taylor, Pernell Whitaker, etc. Unfortunately, because of where he was, you know, outside the ring, it just didn't materialize. Um, Again, folks, Pacificos Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz, Rick Prado. We're on the um, here with uh, the the great author of the four masterpieces, Chris DJ. I keep having to say that to make sure I don't butcher it. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back, Chris, and touch on um, some of the other fighters, finish a little bit more on Duran, touch uh, talk about Alexis Arguello, and then the great Wilfredo Bazooka Gomez. And, of course, right, there's the post-fight interview inside the ring with Chris, right? Yeah. Like they do with every great fight. Who's next? Right. And and hopefully Chris doesn't give us the, you know, the proverbial, I gotta talk to my manager and promoter and right now I just need to go home and rest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys are great. We'll be right back, folks, of uh, Pacific Coast Boxing. All right, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado, Pacific Coast Boxing, and we're back continuing the discussion with Chris Judajay. Once again, Chris, thank you for joining, and we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're out on the East Coast with the time difference, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, no, this has been this has been uh, great so far, and uh, I look I look forward to. Uh getting a chance to talk about these last couple guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we, we touched on Duran, right, uh, intimidating. We talked about how, and it's true, right, it's very difficult to to define his style. I think Alexis Orgullo, though, right, for me anyways, he's more of the classic boxer, more of the the uh, the, 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 the tactician, uh, so to speak, right? Um it, like you mentioned, right, of all four of these, he probably was the most disciplined when it came to in between uh, in between fights um, would take a lot of his opponents out right in the real championship rounds. Rick, 13, 14, 15, not these bogus 10, 11, 12 rounds. Right. Um, and, and by the way, you know, in a complete contrast to Duran, right, the consummate gentleman class wouldn't, you know, wouldn't hype and talk a lot of crap before a fight. Right. Um, you know, goes up to Hector Mancini's dad afterwards. I mean, it's like, it, how could you not connect with somebody like that? Right. Um, so Alexis Arguello, you had an opportunity to actually meet and, and chat with him. Um, what are your views on the great Alexis Arguello, Chris? Well, no, he was a, uh, you know, at the time, um, I think he was running for, um, he, he was, he was getting into politics at the time I, I met him and I was just talking to him about his book, uh, about the book and okay. doing an interview, interview with him and, uh, you know, really nice guy. Um, 
you know, looking back on that time, I was, uh, you know, geez, I couldn't imagine how excited and nervous I was, you know, <laughs> speaking Spanish with, with Alexis Arguello. And then, well, at, at the time, no, I mean, he, a little Spanish, but he was, um, you know, he, he, he spoke, um, great, great English, right. you know, as well. Right. right. So it wasn't Spanish, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you know, sitting in, in Managua and, and talking, um, to the great Alexis Arguello was, was definitely something I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and, and he was he, he was that that gentleman. I mean, you think about someone who had, you know, he, he had he had his um, his the country taken away from him by the Sandinistas mm-hmm. um, for a large part of his career. So um, at, at the time, it was really, um, you know, it was really hard for him as a fighter to, to not understand, like, I can't go home. Right. And, and I think that there was that element that 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 was an added component to writing the book. So when I when I talked to him. Um, you know, I, I spent a couple hours with him and, um, and, you know, and meeting his family members and then, and then some of the journalists over there in, in Nicaragua. But, you know, sadly enough, it wasn't, it wasn't until after his death that, um, that I was approached to, um, to actually, you know, complete the book. Cause I, I had already sent a, um, a proposal, um, to the publisher at the time, but, you know, like you said, he, he was, he was the gentleman. He was a guy who um, who made you feel special? I mean, everybody um, seemed to really love Alexis Arguello, um, and and the way he fought, um, it was like it was just this this perfect style that he That's had. Right. Like you said, this classic boxer, but he waited. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was so patient yeah. in the ring. Mm-hmm. He was the exact opposite of Gomez. Couldn't wait to run across <laughs> the ring. <laughs> and, and start beating you, and Arguello was like, "I'll take my time, and I'll take you out when I when I when I please." Mm-hmm. You said in in the, in the real championship round, so it was uh you know it's something different to watch him. But when when he decides, um you know that he wants to uh, take over, or he he feels threatened in some way, um and and he felt that way against Lamone, um and he also felt that way. I think um, that he had to take over against uh, against Boza Edwards. Um, it was just unlike the other guys. It was yeah. like okay, that you know, it, it, this fight is about to end, and, and we're going to watch it in the next couple of rounds. And 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 I think um, I think his this punching power. Um, he always talked about it. It, it wasn't it wasn't so much the um, his power stemmed from the exact right time to to throw and land that punch. Um, and he was very uh, a little bit more philosophical than the other three fighters, yeah. per se. Um, but he was also very aware of his strengths, very aware of his limitations. And and like like we talked about earlier, it was very rare when uh, a fighter had his number. Um, and there were a couple that did. Sure. Um, but but you know we, we we typically when we look at his career, we don't we don't really include you know some of the. You know some of the, the not not the not the best performances from him. We look at the great performances, the Escaleras. Um, you know, we, we look at uh, you know when he when he moved up and won the 135 pound title, and he was you know he didn't really lose much at 135 pounds. I mean, you know, it's not many uh, fighters you can look at 130 and, and and 135 and say, well, you know, he was he was really really good in each of those divisions. Um, so, um, ultimate gentleman, absolutely. Um, you know, a a guy who, uh, like you said with, um, boom, boom Mancini, right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the storyline wasn't so much that you had this young lion versus, um, 
you know, this uh, guy who was becoming a, just a great veteran fighter. Sure. It, it eventually became, you know, you have a, a guy who uh, in Mancini who was learning the ropes from this, you know, expert, you know, craftsman in the ring. And, and this guy was not just taking, taking him apart piece by piece. He was then telling him, hey, you know what? I love what you have with your father. And, um, you know, I, I, am I nostalgic? I, I kind of wish there was more like that. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the fight game, we, we don't, you know, necessarily see that. So uh, I could talk all day about, about Arguello, but uh, it, he was just uh, – that, that's why in this mm-hmm. day and age, I'm still getting – I still get emails from people who say, I, I just love Alexis Arguello. Yeah, and, and, and again, and, and what's not to, right? Because it wasn't just a facade, right? It wasn't just what we saw on television or in, or in interviews, right? It was, it, was, it, was, it was genuine. And by the way, you're right, and we're not going to have time to talk about your takes on boxing today, but yeah, good luck finding a lot of what, you know, of these fighters and their attributes and fighters today. Today, it's as much about the money and how do I get rich? Not so much about being um, the greatest. Um, But that, again, that's another discussion, but I think that's what endears us to the old, uh, to the old school. Another thing about your books, Chris, which is amazing is the, you know, all of the, all, I'll just say it, a lot of the shenanigans with the Don King and the Arams and guys getting, you know, rank number six when they, you know, shouldn't have been ama- amazing stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and pivot over to, um, Wilfredo Gomez. So Wilfredo Gomez, Wilfredo the Bazooka Gomez. Okay. We, we mentioned earlier, um, First fight was a draw, and then after that, 32 fights by knockout. 95% knockout ratio, Rick. Hmm? Yeah, Rick, Rick Rick's a numbers yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty much if you get in the ring with him, pretty good chance that you're going to get knocked out. Fought for 15 years. The thing with him, right, now he didn't have the longevity, but at the lower weight, right, or at the lighter weights, I should say, that's just the way it is because speed and reflexes is magnified the older you get, right? You can't be a plodding bantamweight, you know what I mean? Um, but like you said, um, Chris, the bell started. He was in there to take your head off. Was he kind of a combination then of, of uh, kind of more more like Duran than less less Arguello? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. And, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, if uh, and I put, you know, I talked about this in the book is that mm-hmm. it's you know, can you imagine being, um, you know, in in Panama? You know, he 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 learned all his tricks. Um, Gomez in Panama, which which surprisingly, um, you know, during that time, Arguello was also going to Panamanian, you know, trainers to to, um, you know, they all have that link. But yeah. um, a late Carlos Aleta was um, was the manager of both of those fighters. And, right. and you know, they brought Gomez into <laughs> to to, um, uh, to spar against Duran when, when they were both young. I mean, and, and Duran was saying, I can't hit this guy. I can't hit this guy. He's too quick. Um, so I would say you're exactly right. He, he was more of like a, a Duran type guy. You know, the difference is, and, and, um, and, you know, I, I say this and I, I don't know if everybody agrees with this, but mm-hmm. if you look at, um, early on with, with Gomez, mm-hmm. um, his, his, uh, his foot movement and the way he moved around the ring, it, it was a lot different than Duran. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say Duran. Um, I, I just think that, that he set himself up. He, he was always in the position to punch. Um, and, and I think that, it, you know, um, Duran uh, was, uh, you know, it was a little bit, a little bit different. I think he was, um, uh, you know, where, where they both wore you down. I think, uh, you know, like you said, uh, with, with Gomez, he had that, you know, he had that big punch. Um, 
but uh, but at uh, you know at uh, you know they made that division 122 pounds for him. Um, he also had speed. Mm-hmm. He had defense. Um, wasn't always in great in great condition. All right, but at the same time, if you if you knocked him down, all right, that just that just motivated him. And and we saw that you know we saw that with Duran as well. I mean sure. you know the guys go down early, they come back and and win the fight. Um, if you looked at if you look at his career. It's hard to say that in his fight with uh, Zarate in, yes. in, in 1978 wasn't his best performance, especially um, at that particular time um, when Zarate was he's was, undefeated. You know, he's 50, 51 and 0, right? I mean, you know what? 50, 52, depending on what record you're looking at, 52 and 0. 50, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and he's going in against Gomez, um, and Gomez Gomez just thrashes him. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and so I, uh, when I when I look at the special fights that, that separate Gomez from a lot of the other guys, that's the one I point to uh, first um, because it, it just made people understand that, you know, and, and he didn't really have that level of competition yet. And then he's fighting a guy um, and who was just um, so respected and, and, he, and he and he stops him in five rounds. Right. And um and so, you know, when I when I was getting prepared to write for, write this particular book, or or, or trying to get um, trying to get this book uh, get a contract, you know, I knew nothing about Wilfredo Gomez until I sat down one night and started watching his fights. And the first thing I do for every fighter that I um, that I want to write about, I have to be in love with something that they do in the ring. Okay. And since I knew nothing about mm-hmm. Wilfredo Gomez. And then one of my friends said, what are you doing? Just go watch his fight. So I went yeah. and watched his fight. I said, okay, well, um, I'd love to write a book on him. And then wow. I started contacting some people in um, in Puerto Rico who, who eventually got me in touch with him. But, um, you know, I think he, he had a reputation of being a tough guy to kind of get to know. Um, and that's what people told me before I met him. But, you know, he, he's, he's a guy I've, I, I really got, um, like, to be close friends with. So sometimes you look at these books and um, – and uh, you think, you know, after the, after the book's over, so is the relationship. Yeah. But, you know, I talked to him the other day, and it, it's kind of, you know, no that, that's one thing I really wow. cherish. That's that's great. And I'll tell you what, by the way, you know, it, it's touching, by the way, and and his competitive fire, right? Um, at the end of the book, you talk about uh, you guys were sitting and watching the Zarate fight, and, he's, and he gets emotional, right, and tears up watching that. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and, I, and I'm, for me, right, I'm thinking – is is that you think it's because he's just because of his competitive nature does he does he miss that but i think that was just a just an amazing part to describe there chris at the end of that book yeah you know i'm i'm, I'm glad you brought that up I, I i just i remember that moment and um you know being able to to just sit there and and watch you know the fights with with um with wilfredo gomez it was it was pretty surreal to just you know go to his house and, yeah and um, you know, put on the the you know Pintor fight and a couple other fights, and and then interview him at the time. Um, and I do remember him him tearing up. You know, he uh, he's had a lot of things, you know, issues, uh, health, health issues, wise, yeah. um, you know, uh, marital issues um, that he's had to face. Um, but you know, one thing that he learned, and and, I'm, uh, and he, he would never say this, but I think it's true. I think he learned how valuable he was to fans over time that maybe something he didn't understand when he was 
younger. Sure. And I think he, he started to understand what he meant and how, as he got older, he needed, you know, maybe to, to hear them more than ever sure. because, you know, he's had so many health issues and everything like that. So I, I would say, you know, that, that was one of the moments that, that out of all the four books, that was one of the moments I, I, I really, it was, it was an un- unforgettable moment. Um, just because it's, it's rare you get, you know, you get, you get a, a chance to, to sit down and talk with fighters in that particular uh, context. So I, I really, I, I really felt, felt, um, I don't know. I just felt so lucky to be able to do that. It, it came across. Trust me, you, you did a really good job of transferring that um, that that uh, that scene or that moment with him in writing. Because, like I said, when I read that, I'm like, wow. You know, this guy's is that emotional. And by the way, um, that's you know the Lupe Pintor fight. That was another one of those man where. Uh, you know, I think I cried after that fight, you know, I, I'm not kidding. I mean, I was so, Pintor had him, man. Pintor had this guy, Rick. I have the picture uh, right here in our studio, Chris, of uh, Pintor and uh, and Wilfredo Gomez. Our house was just quiet. You couldn't hear nothing. Just You could just imagine there was about 20-something. I mean, it was just, and that was one of the first fights, I think, the first time Wilfredo Gomez fought on HBO, if I'm not mistaken. And, yes, yes. Right, and and my dad, we had the house, you know what I mean, where everybody would come over, numbers in the hat for the pool, and you talk about, there. we had to have been 20, 30 deep Mexicans, Rick, uncles, everyone, yeah. and oh my gosh, yeah. Wish I could have been there. <laughs> <laughs> I would have cleaned up. Oh my gosh, by the way. <laughs> it would have yeah. been four, but you know, it... Uh... Well, so these are some West Coast guys, right? Yeah. So even Zarate, who right. lost, right? Just as a side note, Zarate was moving up in weight to fight Wilfredo Gomez, okay? Just as an old, by the way. Um, nevertheless, okay, as we as we wrap this up, because I got to be sensitive to uh, Mr. Judah J's time, um, just a couple more questions, Chris, and I appreciate that, is who, who of, all, of the four fighters, right, as you wrote the books, as you spent time with them, who surprised you the most? Who did you walk away saying, dang, I, I, I didn't know that? Um, su- surprised me the most. I think um, when we – yeah, I was really drawn by, by how, um, how much I connected to, to, to Wilfredo Gomez. Interesting, yeah. Um, I, you know, I um, – I, I just, uh, you know, at, at that particular time, I, I really wanted to tell his story. Um, I was kind of just living, um, you know, I spent, I found a place to stay and I was, you know, at that time I was, I was married and, um, and I just didn't have the same time, same time frame that I had when I was in, um, in Panama. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, cause I had all the time in the world to, to write that book mm-hmm. and, you know, um, so, um, I, I just, you know, I think we all have our expectations of of what fighters are going to be like. We go in, you know, you you have an idea of that what that fighter went through in his career, and then you think to yourself, does the one of the main questions I ask myself is, is this fighter still yearning to to fill that void that, sure. that boxing has, you know, is, that is no longer there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I wondered if there was going to be any any sense of. Um, I would say I wouldn't say I don't want to use the word stubborn, but I, frustration in, in Wilfredo in, okay. in his place of where he was in the world and um, um, at that particular point. Um, and I think there was like a level of regret in for the Sanchez fight. I, th- okay. I think that 
that it, you know and in fact i know if he could have that you know that fight back and yeah and preparing for that fight um differently he would have but what, what i really what really shocked me was that there was this like soft side to him that um you know with a guy who uh, struggled and uh, had um, had had really at the time was struggling to find something that was was working for him in his life, okay. I did. I went to Puerto Rico and did a, a book signing with him. Okay. Um, and like after the book signing, he just embraced me and and wow. and, and said thank you. Um, wow. And and I like this. This seems like a small thing, but mm-hmm. but I never expected. Like it was shocking to me to be able to say. You know, we're we're friends because we've we've joined in this together and we've connected. Um, you know, I've I've helped tell your story, but you've also given me a lot and shown me, you know, how to persevere through life through a lot of the struggles that you faced. Um, and um, and so I think I think when I look at when I look at that, it you know the 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 shock value comes through in that with with Duran. And, um, you know, Duran was, was the other one who I, you know, I, I had more direct contact with, right? Because sure. Arguello, I didn't have much. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, I never met Hector Camacho. Yeah. Um, and only worked with his son. But, um, but the, uh, you know, w- with Duran, I also started off, we, we also at the beginning had a, had a very um, uh, good relationship. Um, and when we started off, um so it, it, it changed, uh, since then, but, but I think, uh, I, I, I really cherish those moments, you know, working early on with, uh, Duran. And then the third, you know, the last one is, is Hector Camacho Jr. Yeah. Right? I mean, because, you know, I, I, I said, you know, if, if I'm going to write this story of, of Camacho, how great would it be to have it through the lens of his son? Sure. And, um, and I wouldn't have been able to write that book. I, I know for a fact wow. that it would just, to me, it would just be, it would just be a boxing. Like I didn't, I didn't want to write just a boxing biography. I felt like, mm-hmm. I, you know, Hector Camacho lived a life that, that deserved more yes. than just me, me, um, going through the motions. And, and so, so I felt this level of pressure, almost burdensome to, to do it right. And, um, and, and I got halfway through and you know what? I was like, and my, I sat down with my publisher, and they're like, "You, you, you got I mean, it was almost like halfway through the fight, and they're like, "This is, this is not what we expected." So, wow, interesting. I, I, I started to really, really bear down and focus. Um, and, um, and to be honest, I, I, I did feel like um, when, when it was over, I felt more of a sense of fulfillment than I had felt with the other three. So, um, a long answer to a, to a short question, but. I think I think I have to you know give you context for all of them to to to, to be able to show you that um that with uh with Gomez um it may not have been it may not have been the book that that I wrote with Camacho you know about Camacho but at the same time the relationship um it, it still is is really strong so you know um and and I think some writers will tell you uh, the relationships that you make throughout the book are, are really, um, you know, the things that, that, you know, stand the test of time. Oh, I could see that. And, and it, like I said, it comes through, especially the last piece and on the, the macho, uh, Camacho book. Again, this was the, the most recent one. It, it did help to have the insight, by the way, from the sun. It just provides, you know, that much more color. And I'll tell folks, Rick, you know, folks, colleagues at work, 
Um, these books, by the way, and the reason why I love reading them, and one of the reasons why I love boxing is their story, right? Humble beginnings, right? What it takes to work hard, what it takes per- to persevere, what it takes to become a champion. All, all habits, behaviors, and attributes that we could use in our everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. I tell my daughter all the time who plays softball, right? I said, you got to practice every day because you know what they say about fighters. If a fighter's not getting better, he's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is, is about boxing. So one more question, Chris. So here we are. We're all in the ring, right? We're going to kind of play uh, Larry Merchant, one of our favorite post-fight um, commentators, right? Especially the one with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Remember that one, Rick, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, would kick your ass, right? <laughs> that was the best. So oh, we, so we, so we got to ask, Chris, who's next? If, if there is going to be a next one, but is there any fighter in particular that you're looking at? And, and of course, we can give you a few suggestions. So I would love the suggestions. I mean, um, the uh, Julio Cesar Chavez would be the the um, you know is the one I'm I'm trying trying to uh, uh, get done. I mean, okay, he, he's the one that um, okay that if you gave if you gave me a chance to write about, he's the one I would write about. Um, and perfect uh, that I've looked into. So you know, I unfortunately I found that what's happened with the books is is usually my first two mm-hmm. you know choices after I write a book are um, are the toughest to get to you know to get a hold of okay. um, but um but I just feel like if, if 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 I could kind of if I were to write one more book on on a, on a Latin American fighter it, it would it would have to be Chavez um uh and um and Rick I'm sorry cuz I know um you were thinking about Trinidad it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah. But uh, but I'm a big I'm a big uh, Julio Cesar Chavez fan, uh, you know as well. You know it. Uh, you know Felix Trinidad was was always on the undercard. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Trinidad is not the easiest. He, he is he is a difficult guy to get in touch with. Wow. Um, yeah. Even, even um, I, I I I try I exhausted all of the avenues to try to interview him, uh, uh for um uh, for Wilfredo, uh Gomez mm-hmm. uh-huh. and um. <laughs> like so many layers like i i just uh you know um it, it was difficult but but i, I would love suggestions because um what I, I don't know uh chavez is um i, I don't think he was quite know. the same after the hopkins fight is what happened with trinidad no. right? that's, that's why he's <laughs> not that's why he's not taking any calls man so so um you know we lean west coast right and by the way i talked to my dad let him know that I was going to be talking to you, Chris. So, so he was really excited. Mm-hmm. My dad and I both had the same guy. We would like to know more about Salvador Sanchez. That's our guy. Okay. So, and, and you touched on him, right, in, in the Wilfredo Gomez book about how different he was, right? One of the first fighters to start reviewing films. Amazing physical conditioning. I think his nickname was the Iron Lung. Um, you know, left us way too early. But I would love to know... And understand more about Salvador Sanchez because it's just very limited with the information that's out there. Like I said, I'm a little biased because for whatever reason, I'm not a huge Julio Cesar Chavez fan, right? And certainly not of his son either. So I'll keep it simple. (laughs) Yeah, for for myself. And I'm also speaking for my dad because he asked me to bring that up. Salvador Sanchez would be the guy that we'd like to to know more about, Chris. You know, I I would, I would, if someone came up and, (laughs) and, um, and, and and they like approached me about it and 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 wanted to do a book on on uh, Salvador Sanchez. I, I don't. I, I would. I would. I would think. I mean. I, I don't know enough about. I mean. I've watched several of his fights, and um, he's kind of like um, 
and, and and this is not in a bad way, but I mean, I, I think, I think when I when I look at him, um, he he's a guy who I, I would fall in love with later on, just because I didn't I didn't learn, you know, I haven't got that that background about his career sure. just yet. Um, I'm wondering, and, and and you can you know answer this: how many is is his name, or are people still you know? You know, I, I think there is a an audience for Salvador Sanchez. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if if there's a huge one for it. Is, is, do you think it's still out there? No, I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, so yeah, if you're asking, yeah, if the question is who would I like, it would be you know Salvador mm-hmm. Sanchez. If you ask me from a business perspective, the Chavez book, right? Yeah. That yeah, then I would say Chavez because most folks don't. But guys like yeah. myself who grew up, right? It would it's, it's it would be a very niche smaller audience completely agree. So I understand the uh, the Julio Cesar Chavez direction. Um, but I think you understand, you know, us wanting to know more about yes. Salvador <laughs> Sanchez, right? But no, to- totally agreed. So again, Chris, and I'm going to read something, Rick, because this is pure poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Again, for you folks out there, this is from the uh, Roberto Duran, um, Hands of Stone, the life and legend of Roberto Duran. Um, this is from the second fight with Ivan de Jesus after avenging um, the the first fight, each break between rounds was merely a temporary respite from the torture. The 60-second interval forces a fighter to confront the truth. De Jesus had to decide whether to come forward with the same intensity and risk injury, stay away from his opponent, or even quit. In what other sport must an athlete answer such a profound question? That is just amazing stuff. I will tell you one of my favorite quotes. Life will sift out the weak, the uninspired, and the lazy. You cannot say that about the gentleman who's on the line with us, Chris Judije. Chris, thank you so much for spending the time here with Pacific Coast Boxing. It's been an absolute privilege. We talked about it a little off uh, a podcast. I feel like we were a Zuma Nelson fighting Salvador DeSantis a little too early in our career. We're going up against the great. Chris, thank you so much, and we really appreciate your time. Let me tell you, Alfonso. The um, I'll tell you what. When 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 you went back and read some of those uh, excerpts, um, I, you know, I, I just want you to know, like that. I really, really, really appreciate you um, you doing that because I mean, the, the things that you do with the podcast are um, they uh, they've made me feel really great, and and um, and so uh, I just want to thank you and Rick for um, for taking the time to uh, have me on the show. And uh, I will say that um, it's not often that uh, I get, uh, you know, I get treated this way. So uh, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for, for, uh, for doing this. We appreciate it. And again, just a reminder, right, just for coming on the show, um, I sometimes forget, but we support Survivor Leader, and that is a foundation that helps um, girls, young women that were victims of sex trafficking. And so, Chris, just for coming and doing the interview, we are going to make a very generous donation. And trust me when I say this, it makes a big difference. So thank you for that as well, my friend. Really appreciate that. Yeah, it's... um... Uh, that, and and you told me about that. That's a that's a great cause, and um, so that's that's uh, another another really uh, wonderful thing you guys are doing. Appreciate that. In fact, we're one of the few box, boxing podcasts that focuses on the people, folks. We'll be right back. Yeah, the great you. Chris Judige, amazing Pacific Coast boxing. We'll be right back. Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado are back, and that was um, wow! What a what an opportunity! 
No, yeah, great interview, very knowledgeable uh, fight, you know, not only author, but fight fan. That's See, that's the thing, right? And again, reading the books, that all comes through, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'll tell you, man, it's like, even though, you know, that we ended up chatting for, I think, an hour, over an hour, yeah. there's so many more things that, yeah. that I wanted to ask him about, right? Yeah, you know, and I think uh, we could have uh, asked him, you know, who he thought won the uh, Leonard uh, Hagler fight. Oh, gosh, I know, yeah. I know. He he did say, by the way, I, I think, he implied that De La Hoya did beat Trinidad. Um, I don't know if we, I, we, I, we I kinda go got that far. The, I kind of got that from but, him, right? Um, so. you know, I, I think he just didn't want to, uh, you know. We'll ask him for sure next time. Yeah, but I'll tell you, um, yeah, there's just so many different directions uh-huh. that um, that we could have gone, right? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, um, his books, right? The detail. Um, if you're a boxing fan, it's it's poetry, man. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that that he writes and 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 the description of them, and I didn't even get fully into it. Um, again, right? All of the of the different scenarios with each fight. Mm-hmm. And some of the uh, the opposition, right? He even goes into the opposition yeah. and the and the, the opponents that that uh, that these guys fought was just something else, man. Yeah. There was a guy that Duran fought Lampkin, right? And and Duran annihilated him, and basically that ended his career, right? Mm-hmm. And what does Duran say after that? If I do not do it to him, he would have done it to me. Yeah, that was Roberto Duran, you know. Uh, you know, you know. Here's another actually says. Does a referee have the right to tell a fighter that his brand of fighting isn't what the fans came to see? Wow. Right? Yeah. Because think about that. You, you see sometimes right, referees say, come on, mix it up. It's like, what do you yeah. mean mix it up? Yeah. That's not how I fight. Yeah. Do you, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So it was uh, just, yeah, you, you, you know, and, and I and again, I said it during the uh, the discussion, but... I've gone back and watched, right, a lot of the fights that he describes, uh-huh. and trust me, you watch them differently. And he's from a new perspective. Yeah, know, it's from a new perspective, yeah. right? It really is because now you've got a lot more um, of the context and the background and mm-hmm. everything that happened, and and it's and it's just it's it's just something else, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, you know, he talked about it right with with the four of them. Um, this was in the uh, the Rafael Gomez book, right? He mm-hmm. says. I love this line, Rick. He says, "None of none of them needed fame, but they all did." Yeah, wow. <laughs> you see I, what, I, you know, see what I, I'm I saying? I was just, uh, you know, impressed. Uh-huh. You know, fight fan. You know, he he learned Spanish to be able to interview all these guys. Yeah, see that. I know. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Right. I didn't realize that. I'm so glad that you asked them that. And, and I thought going into it, I thought, yeah. oh, he probably had an interpreter sitting with him, and you know, that's yeah. how they did their conference. Right. But. There's doing that, doing it that way, right? And, and, and you see, just from the fights we watch, yeah, the interpreters don't get, you know, no, the interpreters they, it are loses horrible. a lot yeah. in the translation. I totally agree, yeah. right? And again, um, you know, that wasn't a part of the of the interview, but we asked them afterwards, yeah. right? And I'm glad that you did because I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah, that was that that was something else. Um, I'm telling you, here, here's another one. Here's another one from Alfredo Gomez's book, right? Gomez showed indomitable will. Not all fighters are willing to travel to these depths, right? Uh, yeah, that was and that was in the fight where he won the uh, the uh, the super or the the. I'm I'm, I'm going to mess that up here. It was the lightweight. 
Jeez, oh, super feather. No, no, that was against uh, Lockridge. Sorry, okay. that was against Lockridge, right? But oh my gosh, you know, just um, just amazing details, yeah. man. And again, um, I wanted to ask him, right? And again, another piece that he did is how many times did he have to watch some of these fights, right, to get all the details? And did he have, you know, professional man, you know, trainers mm -hmm. and fighters kind of pointing out some of the 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 technical um, specifics, right? Mm -hmm. Because the way he writes, man, I'm yeah. telling you, right? He, you know, he talks about, you know, Angelo Dundee uh, was probably born near the corner of a ring, yeah. right? Well, so could he. Yeah. With the way that he writes these books and describes mm -hmm. these fights, man. No, yeah, just uh, the, the detail and, uh, you know, it, uh, just the in-depth analysis of the fights. Yep. So there you go, folks. I'm telling you, right, if you have not picked up um, one of these books. The latest one was the Macho Camacho book that came out in 2020. Like that was a long time ago, right? Um, and, and again, that was right on the heels, right? Or at the, you know, kind of coincided with the documentary. So if you love the documentary, buy the book. If you're a boxing fan, and it's not just about the fighters. I'm going to say that one more time, Rick. It's about the whole boxing game, right? He goes into all of the just, you know, I don't want to ruin the book, right? Mm -hmm. But some of the backdoor dealings, you know, $50,000 in a suitcase, yeah. you know, uh, Wilfredo Gomez fighting in Japan, right? <laughs> yeah, just all the different, um, you know, intricacies and, and the specificity that he goes into with these. If you're a fight fan... Get all four of these books, lock yourself in, and not only that, right, and, and, and I said it at, in the interview, is that it's even going to make you a better person because you understand the story of these individuals. I came out, okay, and this was, mm -hmm. I would have never said this, I came out a Macho Camacho fan. Oh, wow. Not from watching the yeah. documentary, but from reading the book. Uh -huh. I came out, honestly, a Macho Camacho fan. Now I wish I could almost like go back you yeah. know, and I wish I could have like been there and told Camacho, hey, man, I appreciate you. Right. Mm -hmm. May, you know, I don't know. But and, and it seemed like uh, especially for these four fighters, that yeah. th that was huge. Here, getting the fans support and feeling like, you know, they were important. And, um, you know, Chris did a good job. at this. Yeah. And, and all four of these guys. Right. Again, um, again, I don't want to spoil the books, but I mean, they they all gave back to their community. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, the, the saying, you know, a man of the people. They were all a man of the people. Yeah. Duran would come off and all these guys literally would give the shirt off their back. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how they were. Right. They were regular yeah. guys that made it. Right. And and they were looked upon that way. Anyways, again, see, we can keep going on and on and on. Yeah. Folks, Pacific Coast Boxing, that was round 13. A great round 13 for us, Rick. Yeah. Okay. Oh, awesome. De decision still to Chris Judah J, right? Yeah. Like I said, we were Fernando Vargas against uh, Trinidad, uh -huh. fighting him too early, right? <laughs> Maybe even Alberto Davila against Wilfredo Gomez, fought him too early. Yeah. Davila went on to win a championship later on, by the way. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes you got to take your licks, Rick, and it was absolutely worth it today. Yeah, no, it was a great interview, and, um, you know, I think we're better uh, boxing fans for it. Uh, you know, Greg, I'm glad you said that because you're absolutely right. Uh, we're, we're better for it. We are better for that conversation with him. And, again, you know, how do we top that moving forward uh, with podcasts, right? But you know what? We're going to keep moving forward, and we got a lot of stuff coming up the rest of the year. All right, folks, that's it. Round 13, Pacific Coast Boxing. We'll talk to you, everyone, next week.